0: Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcast host at Users First and this is a recorded message from the future. Yeah, you guessed it, that's right. I'm in 2022 and I just added this short audio in the episode because I want to let you know that the episode you're about to listen belongs to the old season of the podcast. However, if you want to listen to shorter, better audio quality podcasts and a way better intro, skip to the new area and start listening to the episodes that have the new graphics. A little bit about myself, if you don't know anything, I began studying UX design in 2019. Starting out, believe me, wasn't easy. And after a few months of studying, reading books and networking, grinding really hard, I landed my first role in UX and decided to open a podcast and a blog to share actually my own experiences so far and, and from the experts that I've been talking to as well. Man, since my first role I've been learning so much from the smartest people in the field and now I've been handling successfully my career and I want to help you too so I can teach you the ropes, become confident in UX, land the dreams role in tech that you've been dreaming about for all these years and my job is going to be simply to inspire you and bring the most experienced guests on the podcast for you. If you want to build your network, improve your UX skills in a fun way and learn about job opportunities Join our Discord channel, it's free, and I post UX quizzes there. And I even have giveaways for you, I mean, uh, for the winners of the podcast. We have leaderboards and levels for the people who engage the most. And, you know, when you are in the top of the leaderboard and win the quizzes, not only you're giving a shout-out in my episodes to show you, like, my full appreciation, but you'll also receive gifts from me. And to the ones that reach the highest level, I will even be sharing the secret sources with you of my career and give you access to my personal UX playbook and the books that influenced me the most in my career. Please don't join in too many, or I will literally go broke if I send gifts to everybody. Damn just kidding. Go check it out for real. And You know, if you want to help me pay off my expenses for the podcast, you can join our Patreon channel. And, or, you know, if you don't want to join Patreon, you can even uh, offer me a a cheap coffee every month. You can access all of these from my website. It's usersfirstpodcast.com. Hey, enjoy my oldest episodes. Peace out now. Bye. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Alessio Ferracuti from alessioux.com. And today, we'll be talking about how UX designer in Glasgow, Alma Stroud, got into UX design with her multidisciplinary background. Alma just graduated from the UX Design Institute, and she's now a qualified user experience designer in Glasgow. Enjoy this episode with me and Alma, and here we go. Welcome to the User's First podcast by Alessio D'UX, where we interview user experience designers and many other digital experts who focus on building products and services that delight users. And what is the number one rule of every product or business? It's that users always come first. Welcome uh, to the Users First podcast, Alma.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me, Alessia.
0: That's amazing. Um, You know, I'm I'm excited to have you here today. Um, For for the ones who don't know, I and Alma uh, have known each other since 2019 and studied user experience design at the same uh, UX Design Institute online. Alma is a very active member of the UX and design community in Glasgow, and we occasionally meet at Local meetups and perhaps if Alma agrees, our favorite meetup is UX Glasgow. Uh, <laughs> agree with
1: that 100%. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, if you don't know what UX Glasgow is, uh, UX Glasgow is a monthly meetup in the city of Glasgow, where professionals and students talk about user experience designer, uh, user experience design, and user research while having a nice ice cold beer. So if you happen to be in the city. Uh, definitely check it out and please send me a message and you know I would love to introduce you to um, UX Glasgow. All right let's get right to it and hi Alma so how are you coping the COVID-19 quarantine period at home? Have you find, Have you found any new hobbies? Are you exercising at home? Are you working on personal projects? What's going on in your life with the COVID-19?
1: Well it's not hugely different from me because as a freelance graphic designer i spend a lot of time working from home anyway and um, so that aspect is very similar it's what i'm used to i'm set up i'm able to do that luckily and um, i'm also a software trainer so that's changed things because obviously i would be going out to either a company and delivering training there or going to one of our training centers um in glasgow or edinburgh and um, but what i've done Last week is I've done some video conferencing training. And um, so that was great. So instead of it being a full day's training, it was split over two days. And we used you know, technology easily enough to, to connect. And it worked out really quite well for the user. Um, so sessions are changed as just three hours at a time because it's quite intense um, at the time. So we're, mm-hmm. it's rather than a full day, it's divided over a half, two half days. Um, so that was interesting and, and quite nice to try something different and uh, and it worked out well. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's... Uh,
0: What kind of tools did you use to do these uh, online meetings?
1: So I um, used um, some software called Jitsi Meet, J-I-T-S-I Meet, and um, it worked well. I could share my screen, it's open source. Uh, there's no limit to the amount of people that join the meeting. There's no limit to the time that you you spend on the meeting. Um and as long as your Wi-Fi connection is good enough, um, it's fine. I've got two monitors here, so I share one monitor and on the other monitor you can see what the user is doing on their screen at the same time. Um so it means that as I'm working through different uh mm-hmm. topics, you can see that they're following along as well.
0: Would you say this is um could you use this for uh, usability testing?
1: Yeah, I, I really think that you could. Yeah,
0: you could mm-hmm. you could what, what, is, what is the name of the, of the application again?
1: It's called Jitsi, J-I-T-S-I, Jitsi Meet.
0: I'm going to write it down because I will definitely put it in the link below the podcast in the audio or video format or whatever so uh, we can help um, our user researcher listeners uh, to do usability testings remotely, which is definitely something that you need nowadays. Uh, we need to adapt with the user's needs and with the market needs. Which is definitely all remotely right now, and that's that's a tool, you know. Um, what What other tools are you did you use for the online meeting?
1: Well, mainly just that, and then I was teaching uh, Adobe in Design, so the user obviously had their version of the software. I've got mine, and then I shared um, lesson files using Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all very easily done and accessible. Um, mm-hmm. So so it worked out really really well. It was it was it was a different experience, but it, it felt very intimate, which was really good. Um, and I suppose from the user's point of view, they've kind of got nowhere to hide because we're not in a the classroom. There's not other people there to either see what they're doing. So it's very not intense, but it's it's very personal for the user. So I I felt I was able to give them a hundred percent of my attention, and I felt because I was watching their screen up close. Um, it was good because they didn't feel I was looking over their shoulder, but I was still able to see very quickly if there was something they were having difficulty with. so i could I could address that straight away. So I actually think it added a lot more value having that you know increased mm-hmm. intensity with the that. session that
0: that's amazing and and for for the ones who don't know um, um Alma has has been working for many years as an Adobe instructor and she has some online courses for you. To master the art of Adobe InDesign, so if you're using Adobe InDesign for your job or or your student or whatever reason, make sure to check out almatraining.com. I will put a link below in this audio or video. Um, Alma, which which related to that, uh, which professions would you suggest uh, Adobe InDesign to?
1: Well, it, it's strange because uh, when I first started doing training, um. It was mainly graphic designers that were in my classroom. Um, and then in 2008, when the economy collapsed, a lot of companies decided that they would get rid of their graphic design department and just outsource um, any work that they needed done. And then I think very quickly they discovered that was really expensive. If they wanted a logo designed, or if they just wanted some small changes made on existing documents, they would have to pay quite a lot of money for a design agency to do that for them. So, rather than creating a new design agency or a department within their company, they looked to map um, existing employees to that role. So, now the people I, I teach tend to be um, people with a marketing background or people who work in the communication department or people um, who maybe have more of an admin role in the company but are interested in design and layout. And um, so, for those people, I think it's harder for them because they've not really had any official training as a graphic designer. Um, but now I'm used to teaching people in that way. So it means that you you really structure your terminology that you're using and assume that they don't automatically know a lot of phrases that you would uh, know if you're a graphic designer, if you came from a kind of print background. Um, so at this stage, I've been doing that since 2009. So I'm I'm well used to um, I, I always make sure I know who is attending my course before I teach it. Although it's structured similarly, I always make sure I know who it is that I'm teaching to. So I, I know that level um, and, and what, what information they already come to the course with.
0: Uh, I love that. And, and, you know, that's exactly the whole core of these uh, podcasts that users always come first uh, before you design, before you actually think of a product. you want to sell think about your users first think about who you're designing for think think about who you're giving those that product to think about who who's going to use your product and you know that's that's the most important thing and and that's why i'm making this podcast because i want everybody to realize that first you need to understand and empathize the people that are going to be using your product and then you can actually focus on the product itself so that that's amazing thank you so much on that um, by the way, related related to the print, um, um, the print things that you were talking about for Adobe InDesign. I myself, I studied graphic design about ten years ago when I was when I was in high school. I was a young fella. I'm, I still yeah, I still am, by the way. And uh, when I was even younger, uh, I studied graphic design since I was uh, thirteen to when I was 19, 18. And I, would use, I was using Adobe, Adobe InDesign like all the time, flyers and these and that, and ebooks and books. And uh, so I, I remember a long time ago, like 10 years ago, when I was using it, it was a little harder. But now it's way easier. You can just like drag and drop and, and do things real easy. But at the time, it was a bit of a nightmare. And uh, you know, that, that's exciting. So definitely check it out. Check, check out almatraining.com for Adobe InDesign. It's a difficult application, and you definitely help with that. So make sure to check it out, um, Alma. You you had a lot of interesting uh, backgrounds. Um, you know, would you like to tell us a bit about that before you step into user experience design? What kind of work have you done?
1: Okay, so um, when I was younger, uh, a lot younger, when I when I left school, I decided that I wanted to do graphic design. So I did a course. A technical course uh, which was designed for printing um, and I then worked for many years as a graphic designer and then I very much got into the whole pre-press side of things so everything that happened before actually went to print. So it was all about um, what you had to understand the process of printing you had to understand how um, things were printed on the press so there was a, at the time there was a lot of technical things you needed to know so like things like bleed, cropping, um swell choke all these things about how did used.
0: you did you use those like big machines yes like, like because i i think i've used them before as well like the big like huge graphic design machines that yeah amazing yeah,
1: so, so before before the Mac really uh, took off it would have been like typography and and single line uh, typographic machines that they would have used um, and things were output at the time to film as opposed to direct to plate which came later and now uh, quite often things just go straight to print without even these uh, stages beforehand so i got involved very much on the on the postscript side of things so when you sent your job to what was called a rip it would uh, break it down into postscript information and i was really quite interested in the errors that would appear and how to solve problems so yeah i was output film or, or plate but when something didn't go through the rig, that's what really interested me as in what was causing these errors. And I worked on a lot of jobs where you had to solve problems on why something wouldn't print, or how something that looked like it did on screen when it went to print it didn't look like that. So it was very much troubleshooting and and getting involved in, in the code side of things. Um. So fast forward many years. Um. I, I came over to. I'm originally from Dublin. I came over to Glasgow. I start working in a in a studio. I I managed a team in a studio, and uh, we were involved in the, in the in the direct to plate side of things. It was one of the first studios in Glasgow to have that technology, and um, and then I got married and I started a family, so to tie up with raising a young family and still do graphic design. That's when I went into freelance design, um, and then I worked uh, with a lot of councils and charities as well, and. Still at that stage, I kind of thought I wanted maybe to. I had done some training uh, before in a technical college that I went to actually study in. They asked me to come back as a as a lecturer, so I wanted to do that kind of formal of training to become a, a trainer as well. So I looked into the whole Adobe side of things, and that process probably took about two years to get my qualifications to do that. So I was doing graphic design at the same time while I was studying to do that. And then that all kind of came together around 2008, where I thought I would give up graphic design and just become a trainer. Um, But it never worked out like that. And I'm thankful it didn't because it means that I probably do, sometimes I could do 50 50 training design. Other times it could be mainly design and no training. Other times it could be just training, no design. So they fit well together as they complement each other. It means with training, I always have to know how I use the latest version of software. And then as a designer, Known what the latest version of the software can do means that I can design better and quicker as well. It's more efficient. So it really has worked out quite well together. So, as I said, I always quite like learning. I could see that the likes of Adobe and Design have, had looked at the whole interactive side of things. Things were become more digital. You know, I come back from a time or go back to a time when uh, PDFs weren't acceptable as a printable format, where now they're most standard. And um, so I knew that soon it won't be PDF, it will be code. People will be creating something on screen and instead of putting the PDF up on their website, uh, they will want um, code for that instead. Um, so I wanted to keep going with the whole learning and find out what do we do with code that I, I would need to know. Um, so I went back to college, then onto uni and studied to do initially interactive media and web development. And then last year, I graduated doing web and mobile development um, and thought that I wanted to be a front-end developer. I thought that's what I wanted to do. So after leaving uni, I got a job as a, a software developer in a company. Um, and it was a fantastic opportunity. I was looking forward to learning lots and lots. Uh, it was a very small company. and um, We had a staff, maybe six people. And the company were offering a check-in solution um for um hotels so a self-service check-in so when you arrived at your hotel instead of going to reception there was a kiosk that would allow you to check in so it was it was a nice idea it was you know something that interested me um, but i realized quite quickly that the way the company was set up um we were relying on a lot of third parties there was a lot of friction and we were taking a lot of phone calls from the hotel saying that the customers couldn't check in for lots of different reasons, not all the time, but there were times where there was difficulties. Um, and I felt that how the process was being dealt with maybe wasn't the most efficient way. And because I've got a background in management and um, also doing some project management as well, um, I suggested some changes to the company. And I thought that we should work in an agile framework, which wasn't the case at the time. So I got to introduce that. My boss was very supportive um, and we set up a JIRA board. We were able to identify things that needed to be done on a daily basis. We held uh, daily uh, meetings, huddles, and it meant that everybody understood what they needed to do that day and any problems that arose, we could identify very quickly. Um, So it started out great. It was really, really good. But I felt also what was happening was that the software was being developed with what people in the office thought needed to be done. And I constantly said, well, is this really what we need to work on? And these are priorities. We had lots of features that, the you know, people were coming up with ideas of things that we should add. But the fundamental journey of checking in and checking out without a problem wasn't really happening all the time. So I kept saying, we need to, we need to fix this for the user. And, and eventually um, I put into Did you know anything about user experience before you actually started seeing that? I, I, I didn't really know about user experience during my, 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 uh, my university course, we had touched on wireframes and, and how you would design for the user and what some testing would be. So as far as what the user needed and um, i was always sort of under the impression that you would create the software and then test it to see if it fit what the user wanted and um, so i didn't really that was my understanding of what um looking after what the user required very much after the design process which i now understand is not really the right way to do it so i put into place all these uh, these Online forms where we would send it down to the hotels. We would find out what the errors would be. We would find out what they, what the goals of the users were um, and any issues that they were having and um, trying to achieve those goals. So checking in, you know, making a payment and getting your key to your room and then checking in successfully. That's what needed to happen. And then trying to understand why that process wasn't working for different users at the time because there'll be lots of different people that would be checking in. And it was only through creating this, um, this kind of process I was able to get the, the company was able to gather the data on what the issues were. And also really what were the features that now I know are edge cases, that we really didn't need to prioritize, that there was, was user journeys there that should have been the main focus of, of, um, of what we needed to fix. I felt a lot of the time the, it, we were very reactionary. Something wasn't working, we would fix it straight away but wasn't necessarily how we should spend our time efficiently. So, um, so that made me look into the whole um, user experience and, and, and kind of research how we could do this more um, efficiently. And that's really when I started to get interested in user research and user design
0: and understand
1: that actually you know, developing the software and then seeing if it matched what the user wanted Really, we've missed, we've missed out a whole process. And that whole process was UX research and UX design. And our testing should have happened at that stage before it went into development or coding. Um, so I, I this company that I was working for, I believe they didn't have the resources um, to have that UX side of things. Um, and I felt that at that stage, I couldn't be that person without finding out more about it. So I left that company and then signed up to the same course that you've done, and um, the, the uh, Design Institute's User uh, Research Design. What I found about the course um, from the Design Institute that every single module that they said, I was going, yes, that's exactly what I needed to know. And, and the
0: mm-hmm.
1: problems that they were presenting were exactly the problems that I had encountered. It was as if someone had looked at how I worked for a week and then created a course on how to fix this. It was just so it was fantastic to realize that, that these are very common problems, and this is very typical incorrect way to approach a project. But there are the resources there to to make that project work in such a better way, and um, if you get them in place at the start. And that whole uh, research, um, and and then analyzing, and then designing. And building and validating and then going back to design again and doing that whole circle of ux Absolutely. design and research before it goes to the developer just makes so much sense and um, so it was fantastic i've really enjoyed the course and um, i love the project and i'm in the process now um, of putting the projects that i did and um, together for my portfolio website and then looking at other Because it's only when you do the course that you realize actually, I have been doing UX for years in so many other areas without realizing that it was a UX role. So, from a, as you were saying earlier, from a trainer's point of view, I always make sure that I speak to the person who's coming on my course. And although I have the formal lessons, the generic lessons that I do, I can actually get a job that they either have worked on or they're expected to work on or something that is familiar with them i know that if i apply the lessons to something that relates to them they will go away understanding the software better because it means something to them so ta- tailoring the job to the user I, I i really don't mind putting that extra effort in at the start because the, the joy that i get from someone actually going yeah this is relevant to me this is what makes sense to me and therefore i'm going to absorb this information better is just it's the way to go, it's, it, it, I get a lot of joy out of that.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and um, there, is, there is fewer problems in companies when there is an agreement on what the users want, because it's not your opinion, it's about what what the customers need and what they want. So it's a lot easier for everyone and you you really can avoid that uh, the friction
1: among people. Yeah, and that whole thing about you are not the user, so that, that was a big thing throughout the, the course. Um, as in we cannot test our software on people who are familiar with one software and to understand what it is that's being developed. We need to put it outside to people who haven't seen it before who are the actual users and not make any assumptions and understand how they behave and how they behave in that environment as well, which is quite different. Absolutely. Um, So so it's, it's, it's really, really going back to, and it's so simple. The set of usability testing, you know, and and yeah. the insights that you gather from that is is just vast um, and and very very worthwhile.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I uh, actually related to these. I I wanted to ask you a question. What is your favorite research method?
1: I think it would be usability testing, and um, and very much so because I like I like meeting people. I like finding out their backgrounds. I like finding out what makes them interesting or what they're interested in and I also am always amazed at how people approach things in different ways and from a okay so from a, a software trainer point of view I always go into the classroom hoping and almost sure that I'm going to learn something from users and even if people are just learning how to use the software how their mind works and how they approach things so often I'll go, all right, OK, that's not something that I've encountered before. So uh, people always amaze me um, at how they approach something or how their mind works. And um, so usability testing where you actually get to, you know, spend a bit of time getting to know what the person needs and get an understanding of that. And then the the data that you get from that is is always very, very um, revealing. And that's really good to to, to get that. What about you?
0: Powerful. Um, yeah, to, to be honest, uh, usability testings is one of are one of my favorite research methods um, because they're just like so satisfying and and because you've all, you have made assumptions so far, you you might know what the problem is. You know, you've talked to the users on the phone and whatever online service and on desk research and so on. But then, when you actually meet them and you see them like frustrated on on that problem that you thought it was a problem, it's it's very satisfying. It makes me feel really good about myself, and and then I can actually focus on solving that problem. It's very nice.
1: The, the thing about usability testing, which which can be difficult as well, though, is that you've designed something, and and I think because uh, from my graphic design background, and you'll probably agree with this as well, um, is that when you've created a solution and you think that it's solving the problem and then to actually get someone to not get what you've done you can go right okay you know there's a lot of bias there that you're hoping that what you've done is exactly what they need so even that's interesting to find all right okay i need to work on that more or the same with graphic design when you've designed something and people go i don't like this or i don't understand why you've done this so also um it's interesting and and i think it's easier the more often that you do it is that you have to go in with it with an open mind and not to take it personally that really we're trying to solve a problem as opposed to get brownie points for our beautiful yeah. design. So, you know, it uh, can be quite humbling.
0: I, I will, you know, I, per, I perfectly agree with you on that. And that is one of the main reasons why I decided to switch to user experience design and not going back to graphic design. Because I, I, don't, I don't like to uh, show something to someone and, and then it's up to them whether they like it or not. It's not up to the user, right? So I, I don't feel like I have any power over that. But uh, anyway, y- yesterday, uh, yesterday I was working with um, uh, with um, graphic designer that is helping me making the podcast covers for for uh, users first by Alessia UX and and uh, it happens that we have a, a group of friends. Um, um, we have we have a group of friends on WhatsApp, like a like a, a group chat together. And I posted a few of the podcast covers just to make them see uh, like what they think about it. And you know, I told them, like, um, record, record your voice and tell me what's your thoughts on these. Why do you think these colors are like that, and, and so on. And then my graphic designer friends, he, he texted everybody saying, like, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you <laughs> saying? Why are you thinking it's like this? And I told them, shut up. Let them speak. You know, like, And he was like, no, but this is nicer. He's a graphic designer, right? I'm a UX designer, I let everybody speak, but you know, he, he didn't agree on that. So that's, that's exactly what you were talking about. That's, yeah. that's the mindset right there. And, you know- I, you
1: should do some maybe testing with your covers and see how many people click on one, co- one cover at, over another cover. So that would be a good way to uh, to test see which
0: Yeah, that would be. Um, you know, um, do you feel that, uh, thanks to your past experiences as a graphic designer, software developer? Uh, do you think, thanks to those, that background, also as a trainer, are you a better UX designer?
1: I think I think it definitely complements the role of a UX designer. Um, from I think communication is really important when you're 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 in a role a UX role, um, so and also understanding what needs to be solved. So from a graphic designer, you would always have to understand the client brief and to interpret what they want. And also uh, when, a, when you are interpreting a brief, sometimes, um, I've just finished a job I was working on last week and um, someone gave me a document that was for uh, Microsoft Word pages and they wanted an infographic out of that. you know. And So I, I was saying, do you have an idea of what you would like? And because they don't have a, a creative as such background, they, they, they didn't, they couldn't visualize what it is that they wanted. And um, so you're having to interpret a design based on pages of, of Microsoft Word documents. And um, so that's interesting. And so you get to understand the project and, and who it's going to uh, be delivered to and who's going to have to consume this information. So that research then allows you to go and create your design and then. Give it to the person for validation and come back and make those changes until it becomes the, the finished project. So that is, you know, US and um, very much so there. So from a, a graphic design point of view, that's their skills, communication, and um, understanding the brief and doing your research, that would be those. And the same then as a as a trainer, um, again, having that understanding of the person needs to achieve. So if I'm doing a If I'm doing a a fundamental course, a beginner's course, I need to know what level they need to get to. So rather than giving them all the information that will get them completing the course, they will feel much more empowered if they go away being able to do the task that they need to do most. And so rather than showing them 15 different things that they maybe might remember two of, you make sure that you find out what's the most important thing they need to do after this course. And they will have full understanding of that then, and that you can show them other things so that when they get confident with the software, then they'll go and explore those at a later stage because they will learn that probably a lot themselves. And um, but it's finding out what those key, what I would call the user journeys would be for them, you know. So, um, so I would make sure that that would be part of their their learning. So that then, as a as a software trainer, so so yeah, I, I it was it was not until I had completed the course that I realised that. UX has been such a, a big part of other careers that I have.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and uh, um, you know, related related to that, uh, this is a question that I get asked a lot, a lot lately. Uh, lots of people, uh, before beginning UX design, they wonder whether they should, you know, whether they have the right background. Uh, they see other people like you that are graphic designer and then they move into UX and they think, oh, like, oh, I can't do this because I don't have a graphic design background, or I didn't develop software, so I can not study UX design. What is, what is your thoughts on, that, on this? Um, do you think that you need some kind of background to start UX design? Who can begin UX design?
1: I, think, um, I don't think you have to have um, a background in graphic design, and I don't think you have to have a background in coding either. I think if you're interested in UX design, then you must be a kind of person who wants to solve problems. And also I think um, at the moment, you will see jobs for UX designer, but it, you know that's a very broad term. So you know, are you going to be involved in the user interface design, which would be UI? Are you going to be involved in the actual design process? Are you going to be involved in the research part of it? So it really depends on the area that you want to get involved in. If you want to do research, then your communication and listening skills will be very, very important. You don't actually have to have a background in graphic design to do that. If you're getting more towards designing the prototype, um, yet then maybe I think I found it very helpful when designing um, prototypes, understanding what happens after you've handed your job over to the next person, understanding what's involved in developing. I found that really, really helpful. Um, and I And from a graphic designer, I say to other graphic designers, if you're designing something, find out what the next process is because you will design a better job if you know what's involved in printing that job. And I would say that from a, a, a UX designer, if you know what's involved in the developing after you've done that design, you will design in a different way. so it will be less complicated. it will be visually nicer and you know how long it's going to take to do something and even no, even knowing, like, for example, input types that you know that you can optimize your your forms so that once, when someone clicks on a field, the type of keyboard that appears on, on the mobile app is optimized for telephone numbers or for post and things like validation. You've got an understanding of, of how things validate, how you can change your validation so immediately you're not getting an error sign. It, you know, allow all the prompts to the user um, to fill in a form that's causing less, Friction for them. If you've got an understanding of coding, that would help, I think, but not necessarily necessary. Uh, you could learn that as well. Uh, but it, it's amazing how things all tie in together.
0: That, that's amazing. Um, this is a question I had to ask you this because a, lo- a lot of people, um, a lot of people, have been messaging me lately, asking me about questions on how to begin UX design, and, and some of them are just uh, scared, are afraid of taking the, fir- the first. Uh, step because they think that they need some creative field, but you know I, I completely um I completely agree with you on that, and from from my personal opinion, I believe that the most important thing is just being able to empathize and be just like be a, an open-minded and um, curious person. I think. Uh, just just like you mentioned, I think that would be that would be one of the required skills as a UX designer. All the rest is additional, but doesn't matter. Just like you said, coding matters, but doesn't really matter. Like it is just like little pluses. But uh, from from what I've seen so far, it's 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 just additional things.
1: Yeah, UX um, is a problem solving and. That is the role of a UX to solve a problem. So if you're able to listen to what that problem is and understand what the user needs, putting them first, I think that's the majority of what you would need to be interested in doing. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, um, as mentioned earlier, um, what did, what did you, why did you make like, this career change? Well, what inspired you to transition to user experience design? Is a career,
1: and um, I think I think because just the way things change, I, li- I like that. Um, like when I started out with graphic design, and um, I've seen such a big change in the industry in in that amount of time that um, since I've started, and um, and I really never want to feel like I've, I'm kind of left behind. So I, I like learning. I've always enjoyed learning, and um, and as I said that I could see that things were going towards more the coding side. Whereas before, um, like if you look at a graphic design uh, role now being advertised, they will look for things like HTML, CSS, and they might mention UI um, as well. So it's to see when you, when you see that kind of profile and, and then find that, you know, as, as much as you're an expert in your field, you've got lots of different things missing from what they would require you to be if you're applying for a job now. So I, I never wanted to feel like I was kind of getting left behind of, of, of what made you um, a good graphic designer. So when I got in, when I started looking at the whole coding side of things, um, I thought, right, okay, well, let's take it to a, maybe a different step and just have a few more kind of, I, I like the idea that I could design and, and I, it was unusual that you would have a designer who knew coding. So I like the fact that I could code and design. I thought that would be a really, really strong position to be. And that's why I decided to do um, coding. And then when I get to coding, um, I thought, right, okay, it's interesting. I enjoy doing it, but I was very frustrated that the the user wasn't being considered at the d- developing side of things. And that's when I started looking into into UX. And and as much as coding was interesting, I find the, the role of a UX designer just really, really exciting. And um, so I would be very passionate about a UX role where I would probably not be so passionate about actually developing something. not.
0: Hmm. So it's not for everyone. Um, some people just like interacting with the computer, some other people would rather interacting with, uh, with users and empathize with them because I'm, I'm the same. And, um, you know, as, as mentioned earlier, um, so you, you mentioned the UX Design Institute, uh, which is the same course that we have taken would you, you know, you, you you mentioned what you've learned. Would you would you suggest it to other people? What would you say to other people that are starting
1: UX? Um there there is a lot of um there's a lot of free courses out there. Uh, YouTube is fantastic. Your own um stuff that you're doing, Alessio, like there's the, so that's what I found about UX people is that, and, and the same with the, the UX uh, Glasgow group. People are so inviting and they want you to learn things and they want you to know things. And, and it seems like it's such a collaborative and helpful um, group of people. So there's a huge wealth of knowledge out there. And um, so I would say to people, have a look at what's available in um, open source, free, um, and, and YouTube videos and things like that. Um, but I think if you are want to be taken seriously and for companies to actually consider you as a UX person, then having that and you know that kind of qualification behind you probably does open more doors and but rather than jumping into that maybe see if it's for you and and get an understanding of what UX actually is that's what I did I I did quite a few um online courses um, and looked at quite a lot of stuff online for committing and also I did a lot of research to find out actually the design institute's course was of the proper value and and all I saw was good reviews. So um, that really encouraged me. And even when I approached them about the course, it wasn't a hard sell. They were very, very um, you know, very, very generous with their time and making sure that it was the right course to to take before I went for it as well. So um so yeah, I'm I'm I would recommend that course hugely, but I would make sure that this is what I want to do before I did the course. Right. Uh,
0: amazing. And and um, you know I know that right now you're working on your portfolio. Uh, I wanted to ask you how many projects are you working on? I know you're working on multiple projects, and and um,
1: how many projects is it? So at the moment, I am work. Well, I've just finished a big project on on um, Friday, so that's one out of the way. And um, I've got two design projects at the moment, and I'm also um I'm also doing training next week as well um so busy so it's funny because um, a lot of people are saying that they've got all this free time since um COVID-19 has kicked in but I'm still I don't know if it's because if you do anything on computers your, your day goes you realize it's nine o'clock at night and you haven't had your tea yet you know so and then you're up in the morning that's the same thing and then in between my portfolio there's always something that you want to learn, or you come across something, and then you get distracted because you go onto YouTube to find out what that is, and then you do a bit of learning, and you know. So my day is very kind of fractured um, with things like that. So when I get a project in, it is nice to have a focus and it and an actual uh, deadline. So you 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 put your time into that. Um but so yeah, but two design projects and and um, and some training as well. So. Um, and and i don't know beyond that what what's going to happen what i've got in in, in the pipeline because a lot of companies that i've worked for they furlough their staff as well so this is work that was ongoing before um, the crisis so we'll wait and see what happens
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely and uh, um <clears throat> uh, did you conduct the research yourself for the projects that are uh, you're putting on your portfolio Um. so one of the one of
1: the Projects I'm putting on are all the the projects that we did uh for the course. So I think in total that was maybe eight projects that we completed, maybe more because it was some were compulsory, some weren't. So um I think it's a little bit more. I think eight were compulsory. So I've got those and and some other. So um I'm go- just going to do three case studies um on my portfolio. So I'm just working on the one that I have the most information on, which is the projects and um, because we did those to such a you know it's sort of a, a deep level and um, with, with regards to research and design so it's nice to have all those and um, disciplines there and then i kind of looked at a uh, previous work that i did so and um, some stuff i've done i've done under nda because i was working for a company before christmas and um, just after christmas i finished with them but i signed a non-disclosure act so i can't actually put that work up on it on it on my website so and um, so that's unfortunate I can't do that because that was some research and design work uh, but I do have um, other stuff that I have to find NDAs on and um, I'm going to put together the project I was talking about the, the self-service and um, check-in solution for the kiosks for the hotels and um, and I'm going to it, it's to build up all like to I've got some of the, the test documentation that I did so it's trying to get everything to look nice as well the website so I'm still to put that together and um, and then while I was at uni I designed an app um, and I did some research on that so um, and and I'd kind of forgotten about that but actually it makes quite a good um, case study so it's a it was designed mainly with um, students in mind so um, students don't eat very healthily in general when they're looking after themselves so so this and they don't really like to cook that much. That's basically, in a nutshell, what the research that I did um, came out with.
0: Very nice research.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I have designed an app, and um, that you can create all these meals with only three ingredients. So, um, so that's quite good. And, and it's, it's, it's everything. It's very simple. It does, um, it does curries. It does pasta dishes. It does, um, vegan options, and um, things like that.
0: So what is it called, the, the X-Law? When you have only three options, the, the human mind works. Do um, you remember, we have we, done that in the course that the human mind works uh, very well if you only have maximum of three options. If you have more than that, then you, you just get stuck and you don't do anything else. So that's exactly what the students ha- have been facing. They have so many options. They, they could be making so many things because the internet is huge. I mean how many menus how many how many recipes there is on the internet? you say you see like a million things. What can you decide? You just stumble, you don't know what to do. so if you have three options, that could be your way. I mean three is better than nothing <laughs>
1: there's actually there's actually lots and lots of recipes, but it only it's only three ingredients so um so the you would we would i wouldn't regard. Uh, your cooking oil as an ingredient. I would assume that you might have that in your head. You know, so so if, for example, you wanted to make a a tomato sauce with your pasta, so it's a tin of tomatoes, some garlic, some onion. Done. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. If you wanted to, you could maybe add some basil. So on these ingredients, you can add extras, but you would actually get a quite acceptable dish Mm. with just straight ingredients.
0: Would salt be considered as an ingredient?
1: No, because I would I would say that your oil and your seasoning, your salt and pepper would be things that you probably would have in your cupboard anyway. You know, even mm. if you're a student, I would say you've got salt in your eggs.
0: Of course.
1: So part of the, part of the, the app, app then uh, gives you the basic three ingredients and then it gives you options then. So if you wanted an arabiata, you would add some uh, spices, you would add some chili to that. And it would then be a spicy tomato sauce. You know, if you wanted to add um, something a bit more, like you could add, drizzle more olive oil on it. You could add some basil. You could add some olives. You know, so the suggestions where you can add extra things to it. Uh, but you can make all these different recipes with just three ingredients. You know? mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I've, I've got that done, and that that's all coded actually. That um, that is a working app. I just haven't put it anywhere. So and um, so I thought, right, well I could I could use that as a case to.
0: You, you, have to, you have to show me some time. And, and you know, this, this is funny that you mentioning this, because this is a period where people right now are starting to cook. Um, lots of people always go outside at the restaurant to have a nice meal. But right now, the, with the COVID-19, everybody doesn't have uh, any other option but cooking. So it, this will be the best, perhaps, time to, to launch an application like that. And I mean, three ingredients, how convenient is that? That's, that's really easy. I mean, you could be doing anything. I was even thinking, li- literally, with three ingredients, you could also be making pizza, um, with no ingredients on top, just the pizza itself. But <laughs> it's,
1: <yeah. laughs> I know it's, it's not the pizza that your granny would make, you know.
0: Oh no, yeah. no. <laughs> the, I think, I think, yeah, you need a, a few more ingredients, and I don't think people have the patience to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's great. Cooking is great. Um, To be honest, uh, related to design, I tend I try to cook a lot because it really helps helps my creativity. Um, It satisfies me um, uh, in my productivity at work. It makes me more happy generally. Um, I'm not saying that only because I'm Italian, just because that's the way I am. (laughs) Because uh, you know, it's 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 well known that Italian people enjoy food more than others, but. but it helps me with my work and uh, with, uh, with the way I, I think. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people are currently uh, taking a UX course and and they often wonder when it's the right time to uh, be making a UX portfolio. Um, do you think that you should make a UX portfolio while you're graduating or should you make it after you graduate or should you make it before you graduate? What What's your thought on that?
1: I, I think... I think the earliest you can get yourself out there the the more that you can kind of promote yourself and um, the better and um, but obviously um make sure that what you're putting out there is, is correct so you know don't put out something and um, as a as a ux portfolio if it doesn't if it hasn't had the research of how a ux portfolio portfolio should look so that's the way i've treated mine and um, i think beforehand what I was doing was I was using a templated-based um, website to upload your work but I was never really happy with how they were laid out so the reason why my portfolio has taken so long for me to actually get online is is I actually treated my portfolio as a project so I did my sketches and um, I did my you know my paper sketches um, and and did some designs and worked with it and then tried to actually put the content within that, see how it worked. Um, and 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 I was the the user as such, you know. So I wanted it to look well for me, but also then did a bit of competitive benchmarking, look at other people's UX portfolios and, and not just their portfolios, but portfolios that people were recommending that you approached. And um, so even from a visual way is one way, but even their content and to get across that whole ability to solve a problem. So the content is really important too, you know. So so i put a lot of research into portfolios that people seem to like, that hiring people seem to um recommend. And and with that information, then I've I, I put some design into mine. And at the moment, because I'm coding mine from scratch as well, it's taken a bit of time too. So I have to say, I haven't coded for, for about a year or so. Well, probably slightly less. So my coding skills have gotten a bit rusty. So it, it's been slower than I had hoped it would be. Um, but it's been really good because if I, if I wasn't in this situation uh, with COVID-19, I probably wouldn't have spent this amount of time doing that. So it's good to kind of, uh, you know, reignite the old skills that you had and just force yourself to do something, you know? Absolutely. That's always a good
0: skill to uh, keep up with. Uh, what's one habit that uh, helps you, that contributes you, that contributes, sorry, to your, to your success?
1: I think I think it's really important to, to to stay relevant. Um so to always look at um what's new or how things have changed. Um I like to read a lot of books on design and UX and you know look things up online and so it's just that constant um you know submerging yourself in it and, and finding out um, what will improve you as a person. Um, from a from a, a career point of view, so and also um, it's funny because I think it's important that um, you, you see not to close yourself off from one area because you're focusing on another. I, I get it that people say um, you should just be very focused on the UX side of things, but I can see while maybe I'm not doing something in UX right now, I I can use those UX. Skills now that I have when approaching other projects, and to not see that I'm not doing a UX role if I'm doing something else instead, and because I think UX isn't just for a UX role. I think identifying what the user or the person is, is trying to achieve, what their goals are, or understanding what the problems are they're encountering, you can use that so much throughout your different um, areas. So it's it's I think I think education learning, staying relevant, and being curious about what the next thing is, I think is, is, is what's important. Absolutely.
0: Completely agree on that. And, and you know, um, related to what we were talking about earlier, I just remember what I wanted to tell you is that, you know, UX doesn't have to be applied only to making your portfolio or to your projects or for your company or whatever. Uh, UX is also a mindset and a lifestyle and can be applied to anything. Uh, say that you have a problem, you know, in in your life and you're not happy. Uh, you know, just prioritize what you think it will make you happy, and uh, you know, make perhaps a user flow or whatever <laughs> you think is best. And, and you know, I'm I'm sure it will help you out. So, uh, and, and you know, related to what you were saying that you you know you did you did that uh, you're doing UX project, you're doing like your the making of your portfolio is a UX project itself. You know I love that because i'm I'm the same way uh right now with the making of the podcast I'm taking um you know what we're gonna be sharing on the site all the research and the insights of the uh podcast that we did because to choose the covers we involve users to choose the name of the podcast we involve users um we we make users listen to the podcast we get we get their feedback and so on so uh you know that that itself is a whole project so. Yeah, and we're going to put it on the website. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And, you know, that's amazing. I'm very, very glad that other, other UX designers are doing that. Um, you know, Elma, uh, are, you, are you currently looking for a position in UX design?
1: Yes, I am. Um, before this happened, I had a placement um, with a council um, and that was due to start. Um, but now, um, obviously, that's not happening just now. I don't know what will happen after this I don't know when because it's a council I would imagine that when we go back to normal their roles are probably changed quite dramatically you know so um I don't know if I'll be actually part of the picture then and um, so that was really really disappointing because I, I felt I would learn so much um while I was there and um, it was just for eight weeks but I would think that you could learn so much in eight weeks because they had such a big design team as well and it was half research and half design as well so you're getting exposure to both sides so that was really exciting um, and i was i felt very lucky that i had the opportunity but i was really upset then when um, when that, that kind of looks like it's not going to happen then so of course yeah but so i am i'm i'm as i said i think it's important that my portfolio looks well so i am applying for ux um, roles um, even though my portfolio isn't published yet Um, and I'm hoping something. It would be nice to think that when this is over, that I'm actually going into a UX role. That would be just fantastic. Mm -hmm.
0: And, and you know, a a lot of people right now are in the same position where I I was talking to another person the other day and she was telling me that uh, right before this, a week prior, she had an interview and they were going to offer her a job position and, and then after a week, you know, obviously everything just, you know, didn't work out anymore and she was And she was pretty sad about it because, uh, you know, like if it happened only a month prior, now she would she would have a job and an income, and instead right now she's home just waiting for the next job position. And and uh, you know, um, I I believe I believe this is a tragedy, but uh, uh, you know, if you um, this is um to our listeners, you you know, if you're struggling with work and and uh, you can't find any UX job at the moment and. Uh, You're on LinkedIn or Indeed.com, struggling. Uh, remember that people are always looking for uh, remote UX designers as well, and and you can also work remotely. And, and to be honest, I have discovered it myself as an, an exciting opportunity to to learn more about yourself and to have hobbies, uh, and have more routines and you discover new things. So working remotely, it's not necessarily a bad thing, and um, you know you can you can discover amazing things
1: from that. Yeah, that's great. It's true. It's it, it's amazing how um I think UX will change because of all this, um and I think definitely usability testing, um whereas before it felt necessary to have people in the room and observe them while they were actually sitting in the same room as you, but I think now remote UX uh, usability testing will be will be will be big and I think it'll be weighted. We did um we did an interview with um a service designer, mm-hmm. um last week. Um, as part of the, the startup scene that Bobby King is organized. Um, and she was saying that she believes that uh, remote usability testing will be regarded as important as face-to-face usability testing. Um, and also the positive that's of that is that you've got availability to so many more users. Whereas if you were organizing face-to-face usability testing, there's quite a lot involved, get people into a room and set it up that way. Whereas, now you can actually spread that testing far and wide, and you know instead of it being ten people, what's done have been twice that or more. You know, so um, so the value there is is really important. That it's, it's it's we're aware that that's the case, and I think now that people, I think before people were used to Zoom meetings like we are now, or you know uh, Microsoft Teams or all these different ways to engage with people, people didn't necessarily see it as. A, as an important um, way of doing testing, where I think now that the technology is there, people are used to it. It will definitely be more valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Co- completely agree with that. And um, Alma, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they wanted to? What's the best way they can get in touch with you?
1: Well, it depends what they would want to do. So, if they were looking for training, uh, my website, which is uh, alma.training.com, um, and from there you can contact me. All my contact information is there: telephone numbers and email address. And um, so that's probably the, the easiest way. And then hopefully in the next week or so, my portfolio will be published, and all my contact information is there too. So that would be the
0: ideal. Wonderful, one. wonderful Alma. Thank you so much. So I, w- I will put I will put that. In the description is that all the contact information that the people need to contact you?
1: Yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn, as all good people are. So,
0: okay, amazing. So, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you again for listening to my podcast today. I really, um, I really appreciated the time that you took to listen to this podcast. And, uh, please let me know whether you enjoyed it or not. Uh, you can check my some of my social media, I'm on um, Instagram at um, alessio.ux and I'm also on Twitter uh, under the name of alessio.uxd. You, you can check some of the other podcast series at my uh, website alessio.ux.com podcast where I have my uh, SoundCloud podcast and Spotify podcast featured with also some of the research shared that we did behind the psychology of podcast users. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and for now I'm going to have dinner. Have a great night or have a great day.